All right, welcome to Palhana. This is Neil. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, did I, <laughs> am I interrupting something? All these podcasts I do, my introductions are always different. Gotcha. Well, Happy New Year. It's officially 2019 now. Well, this is the first time we actually yeah. got together in yeah. the 2019. <clears throat> yes. My apologies. We were supposed to do one last week, but the Thursday before Saturday... I got a notification is like my dad wanted wanted me to fly back home, so mm. it was like that was an expensive ticket. It was a long weekend, right? It was a long weekend. I used some of my mileage, but if I didn't, it would probably have been close to like two hundred bucks. Yeah. And given the way the holidays fell, I mean, I went home to visit my family for the holidays. All in all, three out of the past four weekends, I've been off island. <laughs> I've been tempting fate, flying on the friggin' planes all this time, and I. The bug finally freaking hit me. Felt a little tingling in my throat, in my nose on Thursday, Friday, got whooped, and here I am recovering from it again. Nice. Yeah, sucks. A little bit of housekeeping before we started. Holy crap, 2019 is going to have, we have a lot of shit coming up. Of course, baseball season is going to start soon, mm-hmm. in a couple months. In fact, on uh, like three more weeks, three or four more weeks. Pitchers yeah. and catchers report. Mm-hmm. We still have a couple couple players that are in limbo. Well, a lot of players in limbo still yet. We don't know <laughs> where they're going to fall. Of course, we're going to do our annual fantasy baseball podcast. And if I ever get paid by the insurance, I'll go to Korea. Bastards. There's at least four grand sitting out there with my name on it. Damn, yo. So yeah, so I can't enjoy more peach coke unless I get paid. It's weird, man. Peach Coke is... It's good. Will you drink it again? I would. Would it be in your drink rotation? That would be actually a good... No, this would be like those specialty, like, coffee Coke and all those other flavored Cokes. Well, especially if we're in in Japan or Korea, and I've already tried it, it won't be on my list of, I need to try it again. Waiting for the chocolate Coke. Do they have that? I don't know. Because there's been times where we had chocolate soda before. Yeah, but I mean, there, there's already been Coke Black in the in the U.S. and then I know in Japan they were making a coffee Coke. I was too scared to try it here, but I think now I'll try it if it's there. Okay, so April <laughs> summer movies is getting earlier and earlier. Yeah, we're gonna have to do our summer movie previews. Yeah, well, because we're gonna blow past Captain Marvel. Yeah, was that a February one or is that a February or March? That? Yeah, it's sometime soon. Oh, it's a March eighth, and then a month and a half later. Avengers comes out. Yeah, so they, I mean, they're basically stacking the lineup. Yeah, they're gonna they're they're gonna stagger all of it. So it's gonna Captain Marvel, Avengers, and then a b- month and a half later, it's gonna be Spider Man. Far from home. Far from home. Marvel covered the entire summer. Well, not to mention that I think they're doing all the Fox movies, right? They're gonna unload those too, right? Well, they're gonna dump all the crappy. I mean, they're gonna they're probably gonna just dump whatever the Fox had in the in the in queue, and then uh, kill re- them off. Yeah, and then reboot the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, that's what it sounds like they're gonna do. Yeah, so Stark Phoenix and New Mutants, I think. Was yeah, the two. so those are history. Sailor. There's rumors of a X Force, but they said they're gonna they might kill that off too. Yeah, I mean they're gonna keep Deadpool, but they might kill off X Force, which is weird because that's what Deadpool is building toward, right? Well, that's what they were supposed to have been in the last movie, right? Yeah. Before they killed everybody. Yeah. <laughs> they kept Domino and Cable, and that's basically it. I'll tell you something funny, though. So, during the Christmas break, my um, I picked up a Roku box, 
and then I installed it for my family, for my parents. Basically, all they had was a cable box in their living room. They're just using the cable box to watch shows. It's like, oh, there's mm. nothing on. I'm like, well, go get on Netflix or something. Then it's always on. It means everything that you want to watch is there whenever mm. you want to watch it. And then I plugged in my um, my Prime account, and I had, you know, a bunch of the the new Fox and um, Marvel movies and stuff. So I had the Infinity War, and then I had the Deadpool. So my my parents were like, we'll watch one of the those superhero movies because they're all. That's the buzz, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about how funny and whatever it is. My mom was the one that enjoyed Deadpool 2 the most, which I thought was the weirdest thing. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was kind of like, this is like, it's kind of stupid. This is just like, he turns to me and is like, this movie's kind of stupid. I was like, yeah, it's pretty much, that's what it is. <laughs> mm. It's, it's, it's unapologetically stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my mom was laughing like, so much and she got like the thing that she got the kick out the most was the baby leg which I didn't know you actually get to see baby dick (laughs) flashed on the big screen so quickly or that or I was just laughing so hard Mm -hmm. when I first saw it I didn't notice it but the second time it was like wait (laughs) yeah and my mom laughed she got a kick out of all of that that's interesting it's not usually mom humor but hey I guess she gets a kick out of seeing baby well, dick. Well, I mean, just the whole thing about that part, especially when he gets up and he tries to walk with the with his baby legs. Mm. Uh, she's cackling, and when the movie's over, she's like, "That was really funny." Good wow. to see that she's in a good mood. I was cringing for the for the for the being offended. Anyway. I saw Aquaman. Yeah, how was it? It was good. Is it the second best DC movie? Because I'm guessing Wonder Woman's still the number one. If, if you're excluding Batman and the Nolan stuff, yeah, it's the second best. You could probably put the entire Nolan trilogy above yeah. most of the DC. Thoroughly, yeah. yeah. So it's funny. Except maybe Wonder Woman. I'll put Wonder Woman above. Maybe one of the Batmans, but yeah, not, the not all of them. Dark Knight Rises was kind of... It was a little rough sometimes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't take itself seriously. I guess the only thing that is an issue... Story-wise is what, like, Mark Bernardin was saying on Fat Man Beyond. I was going to call it Fat Man on Batman, but he was saying, like, Aquaman has no arc. Like, he he's the same person from beginning to end, except he gets everything that happens to him, so. Oh, is this a is this an origin story? It tells his backstory, and then it's, it shows his evolution into... The King of Atlantis, right? It's very entertaining, and Jason Momoa is very... He's hes captivating on the screen. He's like, charismatic. He's very charismatic, and... And visually, it's good. Story-wise, meh. You could take it or leave it. I think uh, Spider-Man was better. Into Which, the Spider-Verse. Oh, Into the Spider-Verse? I saw one more movie. Bumblebee? Yeah, I saw Bumblebee, that's right. You Because you, you asked me one day if I was going to go see it, and then I was like, you know what? I am going to go see it. <laughs> Okay, and well, because I was gonna watch it this weekend until this fucking cold hit me. It is not bad. It has much more heart in this show. I mean, it's not a Michael Bay movie. No, it, it's more heart than any of the Transformers. And there's actually a human character that's that's worth. Katie Seinfeld. Uh, well, she's she, is she better than Shia LaBeouf? Yes. Okay, but. That's not saying much. <laughs> well, I mean, that that just um, goes to show, like, for the rest of the Transformers movies, because it's pretty much Shia LaBeouf. 
it, it's interesting because they do show like old stuff and new stuff. Okay, so from my understanding, is like it's supposed to be a prequel. Yeah, it takes place in the eighties. So it is. So it it still sticks to the yeah. Transformers, yeah. the Michael Bay Transformers universe. Yeah. So it shows how how Bumblebee loses his voice. From what I understand, there's like a big well, spoilers, but there's like there's a big throwaway at the end. It's like you find out why he's the Camaro after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a throwaway or something to just link it. Yeah, because I mean he can he can just assume different shapes, right? Initially, he picked the bone, and, and at the very end, they. You could pick whatever you wanted to be. You know, that's what that's what Haley Seinfeld says at the end. Like, you could be whatever, you know. But then it leads into what happens, you know, like how the Autobots come and stuff. It doesn't tell you anything that new. How about that? But it shows what it could look like. Like I said, I was going to watch it this yeah. morning. But um, when I was watching, like, a trailers and stuff like that, it does do a lot of homage to the 80s cartoons. Yeah, and the two characters that look like Starscream are not Starscream. <laughs> Just be prepared for that. So this was a Thundercocker. No, they're two different characters. I don't know what their names are. I forget already. From their, they weren't from the '80s cartoons. No, at all. they look like F-16s. F-16s or F-15s, but then it wasn't Starscream, Skywarp, or Thundercocker. Oh, is it those triple changers you're talking about? Mm, they didn't draw... See, the whole thing is they can assume any shape, yeah? So they do assume, like, three or four different shapes. Oh, so they keep morphing into... Yeah. It's like, one was a helicopter, one was a car, like, whatever. I mean, it kind of... It's weird, because, like, the Autobots never assume... More than one shape. Yeah. They always... <laughs> the most... The most... <laughs> just non-useful... <laughs> yeah, they don't... Like, it's like, dude, fly. If you're, if you're gonna do it, fly. But they, they don't, right? <laughs> what else? Um, They show Soundwave. That's pretty Like, cool. as a tape recorder Soundwave? No, as the robot, but he ejects Ravage. That's kind of cool. Oh, okay. Like, and, and actually, like, a large Ravage. Not like the, the thin Ravage that we saw. Oh, Like, yeah. the thing transform into, like... Like a panther. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Actual, actual panther. So that was cool. It, it was our childhood. Finally done justice. I'd say that's what very end. You see Optimus Prime with the, the tractor trailer. Like the big trailer. Oh, really? Yeah, like he's driving. Is he, and is he a Mack truck? Or is, is it like the, the regular Mack it's truck? It's that front head. You know, the, the flat, the yeah. flat face, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. But it has like the trailer. If you remember the trailer that yeah. used to come with, like, like, he's driving on the freeway, and then you see Bumblebee, like, drive around him. Oh, cool. That's cool. So, so <laughs> hierarchy-wise, probably Into the Spider-Verse, Bumblebee, Aquaman, but not saying that Aquaman was bad. It was just Bumblebee was surprisingly good. Into the Spider-Verse, far and beyond. Yeah, because it, it was so funny. It was a, it was amazingly good, right? Yeah, it was... I watched it, too. The best part was Nicolas Cage, though. There was, like, a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, but Nicolas Cage is the best. <laughs> it always rains where I am. I don't understand the color. Yeah. What's, is this purple? purple? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I will take this with me. <laughs> See, that was good. The The post-credit one is pretty good. The Oscar oh. Isaacs, $20.99. Yeah, people were just like, like, people all, as soon as that came out, people always thought it was like, Oh, they gotta make a sequel now because that's such a throwaway. They use Oscar Isaacs and it's such a throwaway scene thing. It's like, they gotta bring that back. But they're saying they're gonna, they're gonna interlink. They're gonna do this, 
that spider verse again where the that madam web is supposed to show up possibly the the story that they're thinking might happen is the one that there's that one guy that keeps killing Spider-Man throughout the universes. Oh, it's like the one. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really the one. It's, it's they gain power. <clears throat> they, I guess, they eat the life of the Spider-Man or whatever. Yeah, it's like the one. No, but the one was the same guy over and over. It was the sp- It was a spider. It was Jet Li killing other Jet Lees to get their power. Then no, but this is not. I mean, because essentially they're all not the same person, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, just making a joke. It's like it's like it was a, a bad joke. It bro. was a bad movie. That's why. The one was a horror. I didn't even see the movie. Actually, it was horrible. <laughs> it's like bad. the one. Like oh, it's a good premise. Highlander was like that. It can be only one. Yeah. Highlander. That was a, okay. There you go. Highlander. Christopher Lambert. Anyway, let's let's get let's get into getting ready for. our baseball season. Why don't you explain what was what was our little project we do here we did here. Alright. Since since we're heading into the baseball season and I always like making teams and lists and things of that nature. And we've been doing this podcast now almost seven years. I decided, you know, let's go back in time. 2012, when we started our podcast, and essentially figure out who who we thought were going to be the best players at each position in 2012, and then we'll do another one with the 2019, this upcoming season. The final exercise we'll do is who our all-time team would be. We'll start off with the 2012 team first. Okay, so... Um, the way the way I did mine is that I actually did a Google search, and I looked at the fantasy rankings. Yeah. Of the fantasy rankings of 2012. Yeah. And first thing I did was, who do we expect to be the most dominant within the next, I guess, from 2012 to now? Yeah. So I eliminated like the guys who we've pretty much think has peaked or on the downturn. And kind of looked at guys who we think will extend their extended through their prime mm. for the next seven years. Because it would have been just easy for me to just go down and just like pull all the players from the top fifty picks or something like that in the fantasy rankings, and then so that's what I did. Majority of the players, I, I pulled the, the, the stats for that that year mm-hmm. of what they did. And then uh, I compiled those as well. There's a some guys who actually had very very good seasons for that year, and then there's a few there's a handful that actually just totally. So I'll I'll include those as well. Okay. So go ahead and we'll you start throwing out the positions and names, and then I'll I'll jump in. So what I was looking at during this thing is like if they're highly touted, whatever they had good seasons prior to. I started, like, picking them, right? So, I shall start at the catcher position. I picked Buster Posey. He was the best young upstart catcher at that point. Because everything else, they're getting old, dude. They're all at 28, 29. I thought about Matt Weeders, but then Posey was younger, right? So, I picked the younger guy Mm. at the catching position. 
I actually went with Carlos Santana because he was he actually was uh, I think he was in his mid twenties at this point, and so he was probably the only the only catcher that was on the upswing and mm. put in some like catcher was very junk empty. There was a lot of well, old. No, there, well, there's a lot of power hitters. There's a lot there's of power hitters, but power a lot of hitters. aging power hitters. Yeah. But <clears throat> at that point, Carlos Santana was the new hotness at the catching position. Mm. But yeah. suppose he was already established. Well, the other person that we could have looked at also, too, is Yadier Molina. But he was already... But he was old. At 30, I yeah, think, at that Yeah, point. he was at 30. So... So, right. mine is Carlos Santana... He, in 2012, he actually had a decent year. Mm-hmm. Bad about 250, 18 home runs, mm. 72, 78. I mean, that's actually good numbers for a catcher during that span. Posey, was, Posey, Posey's 2012 year was, he had 336, mm. 24 home runs, 103 RBIs. Was he MVP that year? So first base, I picked Prince Fielder because he was coming off, he was coming off a huge year the previous year. And then he got traded to Detroit. So he kind of came down this following year. But it was still... He still had 300 in 2012, 30 home runs, 180 RBI. So I was thinking he was going to sustain that for the next six, seven years. The guy I put was actually the man that Prince Fielder supplanted at first base at Detroit was Miguel Cabrera. He was... This was his first... In 2011, I think was his first year playing in Detroit. After he got traded to from from the Marlins, he was coming off like MVP caliber season. Mm-hmm. I think he was 28. And usually, first baseman the the curve is not as the downward curve is not as bad because. So this was interesting because this was Miguel Cabrera's last eligible year at third base, so I put him actually at third base. Oh, really? Because mm-hmm. he played first base the year before. Yeah. And then he and then he played first base in 2012. Yeah. And but then he they still, moved, But they, he was third base eligible. Yeah, was third base eligible. So that's why I put him there because I didn't like what was at third base at that point. Oh, yeah. I'll, we'll get to third base soon. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, but uh, Miguel Cabrera, <clears throat> and then uh, he, I believe he got the MVP that year. Great season. Well, he had the triple crown in the AL, yeah. Yeah, so, so he had like, NL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had the AL MVP. Yeah. Guy was a beast. I looked at his following seven seasons from 2012 to 2019, 2018. Other than the last two seasons, is just because of injury, though. I mean, his hitting has sustained. And back then, um, if I remember correctly, a lot of the, the experts did say is like, I mean, the man just has like, he has a swing that's just not going to, it's a very good swing that shouldn't yeah shouldn't break down. Well, well, the average is always there, but the issue was the power fluctuated, right? Yeah, yeah like mid twenties to early high thirties. Like it kind of yeah. always went up and down, but hitting wise, like he was a pure hitter. Yeah, basically the same. So second base, I decided to go young again, and I put Jason Kipnis because he was kind of like the new hotness. Because everybody else on there was 30-plus years old, like Kinsler, Kinsler, Pedroia. They're, they're already, like, 29, 29 to 31, yeah. So I thought Kipnis, because I think prior to this year, he had, like, a 8-8 season or something like that. And then so in 2012, he ended up with 14 home runs, 31 stolen bases, a 
57 average. So I thought he was going to progress into... <laughs> uh, mine's... I didn't like what I was seeing on the second base. So I just went based on the ranking, the, the 2012 ranking of that year, and went with um, the best second baseman that was on the board was Robinson Cano. Even though he was a little bit on the older side, I he, was think he was thirty. Yeah, he was twenty nine or twenty eight. I think. Yeah. Looking at his numbers bef- on the twenty eleven, and then his twenty twelve numbers as well, he was just head like head and shoulders above everybody else in the in the pool. I was thinking Cano too, but at the same time, he was already thirty years, twenty nine, thirty years old. Downside, mm-hmm. the back nine of his career. I was thinking he might move out of position to play first base ultimately. So I was thinking he was just going to not stay at second base. Yeah. So that's why I picked the loser Kipnis. Well, I, yeah, and, uh, like, I was trying to look for somebody younger, but I really couldn't find anybody that, even as, like, if I was there drafting, if I was drafting back, back in 2012, I probably wouldn't give up on... Like, I would still probably go after Cano over a lot of these other guys. Well, if it wasn't... Well, I think in 2012, the idea was if you didn't get Cano, then you would just wait. Yeah, right? You exactly. would just have to let, let value fall to you. So, so it's like... it. It's almost like it's almost like you were... you're Basically, you're, you did what Seattle did, was just give Cano a huge-ass contract and just bank on the, the three or four good years and just eat the, the rest of the contract after or something yeah. like that. But, like, if you just... Averaged all the numbers all together. He still had like a great productive seven years. Yeah. Okay. All right. So third base, I picked Cabrera. Who'd you pick at third? Boy, it was third base was bad. I looked at all the numbers and then like given the guys. So there's actually guys that had really good good season and ranked kind of high, but they were just old. Adrian Beltre was the prime example. I think he was like 32. We'll see if you like. But no, I didn't pick him. I'm oh. just saying. I'm just saying that Adrian Beltre was like the best third baseman, but he's like 32. So we had like a lot well, of. Well, the, like with Beltre, we always thought the wheels. I always thought the wheels were always going to just fall off. I mean, even at 32, I'm thinking he's too old. But he lit. I mean, he still is productive. Even he was last productive. Year. Yeah, he was productive so. all the way. And David Wright was like one of the other guys, but he I was getting I, hurt at that. I was never a big believer of David Wright. Period. Well, so he, was, like, he was also breaking down physically, though. So that's yeah. why I kind of avoided him too. So I actually ended up putting Ryan Zimmerman. So Ryan Zimmerman was actually, at that point, he was the up-and-comer. He was like, people were saying, like, he was the guy that Washington was going to build their team around. He actually ended up having a good season. Hit 282, 25 home runs, uh, 93 runs, 95 RBIs, 5 stolen. The other person would have been Evan Longoria, but I've never been Evan Longoria. Yeah, when, when I saw Evan Longoria... And, and I looked at his stats, I'm like, something's missing. Evan he either Lung- hit for power, no average, average, no power. Evan Longoria was like that guy that he was the hot prospect coming up and everybody just kept on... Well, hoping he would pop. Yeah, he's like, this did. is the year, this is the year, this is the yeah. year, this year. So people would bank on the potential, but Ryan Zimmerman, he was actually the guy that was actually putting up numbers. Mm. And, then, and then I think what the wheels came off like a year or two later, yeah. forgot how to throw the first or something like that. And... They moved him over to first. Even after moving to first, 
He's had a, dec- a decent career, like average about 25, 30 home runs, batted about 270, 280. He wasn't superstar, but he was just a steady numbers yeah. guy. It's just the throwing yips was the one that kind of derailed his career at third base. All right, so shortstop. To me, it the easiest pick that I chose was Tulo, Troy Tulowitzki, because he was going into his 27-age year. He was kind of coming off an injury, the groin injury, so... They were expecting that he was going to do something, but he got hurt So <laughs> in 2012. So this is the precursor of things to come with Tudo. I chose Hanley Ramirez as the shortstop. When I draft fantasy players or whatever, I'm a across-the-boards kind of guy. Hanley was, the, was always the steady across-the-boards, 20-20, kind of guy. And he was... He was in his... I think he was 27. It seems like he's been in, in, the, in the leagues for like a long time. It's because he came up super, super, super early. Mm. Like he was young. This was the year that he went... He was with... I think he was either with the Dodgers or the... He was with the Boston. Marlins and then he went... What was it Boston? One of those. He went to... And he ended up in with the Dodgers. This is the year that he got traded to the Dodgers. So I can't remember if that was the year that he got traded with... Adrian Gonzalez. Tulo was the first rounder by far, like on the rankings, like the number one shortstop. If I was drafting at that time, probably wouldn't invest that much and then waited for like somebody like Hanley to come up. Tulo to me was the best guy. And he he was, was the best guy. He yeah. just started getting hurt. And as we can see now, his career is pretty much over. It was interesting when I was looking at Tulo's career, wasn't that good. He only had like a 30 plus homer year once, I think. That was it, and coming from a court, you know, playing his entire career. He was always the threat. Yeah, I mean, that's the same thing as we said, like, about um, Evan Longoria. Like, he had the threat. Like, this guy could crush 35, 40 home runs, but we just banked on the potential, but never the the result. All right, three outfielders that I picked. They were good ones that I avoided. Number one (coughs) is you would take Mike Trout. Because mm-hmm. I was looking at the rankings, he wasn't drafted. I think he was a call up. He was a call up last yeah. that year, but so I was looking at the fantasy like whoever started in 2012. So I didn't include him because his 2012 season he ended up with 129 runs, 30 home runs, 83 RBIs, 49 steals. Yeah, right? he's, so. yeah, he was monster. I uh, gave myself a little bit more challenge, so I put myself, I put them in um, positional. So I have left, center, and right. I'll start at left field, and I put I put Justin Upton. Justin Upton was the... He came off a really, really, really strong 2011 season. He was ranked very, very high. He was 24 years old, I think, at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had the he had the golden prospect hype, right? I mean, the, yeah. he was, everybody was waiting for him to come up. I picked him as my DH. Oh, okay. He, I just, he's on my list, yeah. I put his pure D. I, I, for my DH, I just put pure DH. So right. it's going to be a little bit different. But anyway. There's nobody good at DH. <clears throat> well, well, yeah. Poppy. Anyway. Yeah, Poppy. Um, So he actually ended up with a not good. He had a thumb injury in 2012. He kind of struggled in his early 20s. I think I think part of it was like a lot of it people are saying is like he they just called him up too quick. He needed to be seasoned just a little bit more. I don't know if he called him. I think it was just his expectations when they called him the right-handed Ken Griffey. I think that was a little that was a little mm. unrealistic. It's weird because he had like his power numbers weren't weren't that high, but his like 
run total was hot, was good. So it's like 280, 17 home runs, 107 runs, which is weird. 67 RBIs. So he only had singles. He lost all his power and he yeah. stole some bases. But the expectation. Well, he walked a lot too. He's like they just. He was like the guy that people thought was like, oh, he's going to be the next 30-30. Moving on. Giancarlo. I picked him. Okay. Because he was a youngin. I put, uh, I, for right, uh, I'll put for right field. I actually put Ryan Braun. He was, mm. I think he was like, this was his, he had like, he strung together two, two or three really, really good seasons. He was 27, I think, at the time. So this was his prime. So this is like the beginning of the prime stretch for the next, what, three three to five seasons. And well, it was in 2012 his MVP season? Yeah, 2012, 319, 41 home runs, 108 runs, 112 RBI, 30 stolen bases. So he was a 40-30 guy. And I didn't pick him because of his 2012 season. I just picked him based on the fantasy rankings. And fantasy had him as a number one like a first rounder. Mm. I think he was a top 10 or something like that as well. I think the only reason why I didn't take him into consideration because I didn't think he was going to age that well. Mm. So that's why I went super young in my outfield. So. Well, the next one is going to be a flop. Like my third one is, is a flop. Go ahead. Oh, I picked Bryce Harper. <laughs> he was another call-up. Yeah, well, yeah, but his, his ni- age 19 season was ridiculous, yeah. so... <clears throat> I was so, expecting that, that he is gonna head off and do much bigger and better things than he's lived up to. So on the this one, uh, my center fielder was Jacoby Ellsbury. See, he's my boy, but he was already twenty nine. So I was I like, was 20, 20, I thought it was twenty eight. Mm, he was already on. He had his huge year. And, no, and, yeah, this was, and again, this is why I'm be, I put him on the list because. He was, again, a first-rounder. He mm. was a first-rounder coming off the quote-unquote breakthrough season. Yeah. He had the 30 home runs, the 40 stolen bases, I think it was. Yeah. And big, fat contract. Yeah. I, mean, I think this was the big, fat contract. He, this was his payday year, right? Mm. And um, going to a stadium, going to a park that's supposed to, to his style of play... And no, so I think he got injured this that year, so he ended up batting two seventy, only four home runs. This is after a thirty home run season, four home runs, and only fourteen stolen bases. Yeah, I didn't like I didn't like Jacoby's value after a while because it just fell off. Okay. Yeah. And then um, DH, you said uh, Justin Upton already. Yeah. Um, I went. I just. Basically searched all DH eligible. It was basically guys who played at DH, and I mean it's basically just a lot of old people. So I basically got the best of the old people, which was David Ortiz, who was I think thirty at the time, thirty-one. Mm. I mean he had a good season, and of course he like the guy played for six more years, seven more years. Yeah, and he had a great and he had a great stretch like the past the next six seven years. It was great. Yeah. So he had three, uh, I think for this season, that season he had 318, 23 home runs, uh, 65 runs, 60 RBI. I guess he got hurt. So we're moving on to pitchers. All right. So number one, I put it, I put Kershaw. 
Oh, yeah. And he was the consensus number one pitcher off the boards, too. Yeah. So, essentially, Kersh- we might have the same ones. I'm, I'm guessing we probably have... Well, we both had Kershaw. I said Strasburg. Uh, Strasburg, no. Okay, Bumgardner. Chris Sale. Chris Sale wasn't even ranked, I think, at that time. No. David Price. I'm And this is, I'm going off the fantasy rankings, you know. So, these well, guys weren't even listed on the list. I don't think so. Anyway, go on. Who, so who did you... you so it was it? Kershaw, Verlander, Felix Hernandez, Tim Lincecum, and Cole Hamels. See, but you, some of those you didn't take agent, or did you take the age into account? I took the age into account. That's why Felix Hernandez was a 24. No, he was 27 at that point. A 27? And Verlander was already 30. Yeah. Because I look at the rankings, everybody, all the top, the top pitchers were 30 or above. So mm. these were the guys that were in their 20s at that time. Yeah, and pitching is a little bit different. It's like, well, this was like Felix Hernandez. This was, I think, the second or third season. He strung like two to three. He was in strong, his prime. Yeah, this was his prime. Cole yeah. Hamill, same thing. Tim Lincecum was the... But I was never, I never believed in Lincecum, especially with his size. I mean, like with all these guys that I picked, I mean, they're big and they threw pretty damn hard. So. Yeah, I mean, it fits your, it fits your... Yeah. Your type of yeah. pitcher. Uh, Verlander was the oldest, but I mean, it's just, at that, I mean, I just put him on the thing is just because the guy was just head and shoulders above everybody else at that time. See, but he would fluctuate too, and at that point, was he striking out guys too? Well, this was before the fluctuation, so he was just... No, but but in the early years, he would throw hard and not strike out guys, right? Like, he would win, but not strike out. Then once he got... He got to a specific age where now he started really striking out people. Well, this was the, this was I think the second or third year that he got, he strung. This was the the, the that string of like where he, three four years uh, run of dominance. And I think he was the he was like he was the fourth. He might have been the third or fourth pitcher off the board. And I mean all and all the people were saying like this is the guy that's gonna be able to sustain mm. for a long he has the build to sustain for a long period of time right yeah the kind of like what Kershaw did so how many closers did you put in I put three closers back then was a little bit different well the guy I automatically put on was Kimbrel yeah Kimbrel was and Kimbrel was the first closer off the board too yeah and he had a great se- oh my god he had a great season I put Chapman. I don't know if you put Chapman on that. I didn't put Chapman. I don't think... I looked for him, too, and I think he was a call-up. And then my third one was Kenley. Kenley wasn't ranked because mm-hmm. they weren't sure he was going to be a closer. I think he was a setup at that but he, point. Yeah, but he was a high-level setup guy. Yeah, right? he was a high-level setup guy. I put... Because this is garbage. Those closers are garbage when I looked at those guys because they're all, like, mid-30s. and. Yeah, so the guys that I had were, like, actually kind of on the younger side. Was, uh, Papelbon was, was there. Well, he was already 20, 29, I think. Like, he was not... He was 20... I mean, Kimbrel was far and away the youngest. Well, he was 24 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, And the other guy was actually... Was suppo- was young, but everybody had, like, high hopes for him was Juice Storing. Mm, I never liked Storing. I think he was 25, or, and he was the, the new hotness at closer for Washington. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he... He... Boy. Well, those two, I mean, Popobon and Storing, they're... They're gone. Well, they had a couple good years, and then they they fell off. Yeah, right. They just blew. Their arms just blew up. All right, let's move on to our future now. Our projections. How did you do this one? 
I just kind of looked at last year's numbers and looked at their age and looking at... There's one thing I I think it, I did something funny. Okay. Well... But we'll start. Yeah, go ahead. So, catching sucked. Again. Yeah. Catching... I had a big problem with catching is because I was like contemplating who would be my who would be the best catcher or who would be the best player who catches. <laughs> well, I think for me, I put I put Rear Muto in because he's age twenty seven, so he's still relatively young. He had his best year last year, arguably. He probably will go the route like of Posey, like he might move to first base and just hit well. Yeah, I put... Um, Gary Sanchez hit, like, garbage, and he's probably going to get DH soon, so... That's what I put, That's who I put. I put Gary Sanchez. Yeah. Technically, he's a catcher, but he can't really catch. Well, yeah, he's a catcher for now, and we'll see how long he'll stay at catcher. Yeah. I mean, but with any of the high-end catchers I mean, that can hit... The, the power's legit. It's just, like... But I mean, if he, he can hit for average, because he did it last year, right? He did it last year, but the year before, he did okay. Yeah. I think the bat is probably legit. The catching, not so much. So first base, this is this is where I took liberties right here. I took one large liberty. When you move somebody there because... Yes. You, okay. I, you know who I moved? Who? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Currently, he's a third baseman. But the <laughs> homeboy, I think he's going to go the route of Miguel Cabrera and become a first baseman within the within the first three years. I actually, if, if I picked up Vlad Jr., the way I'm hearing is like he might end up going the route of Gary Sheffield and they might move him to right field. Did you see what he looks like? Yeah, he's a pudgy guy. He's a big pudgy guy, dude. <laughs> he's not fast. He's not his dad, so. Gary Sheffield really wasn't that fast either. Gary Sheffield was an athlete, dude. <laughs> Just a monster. And we'll talk about Gary Sheffield later. <laughs> But I, I said I move Vlad to first base. He's currently third base, so he can make that move relatively easy. And so he's, he's young. He's only I um, I only picked guys who were actually played last year, so played played last year in the majors. So I didn't do that. Um, I put yeah, first baseman was kind of rough. Um, a lot of old people in there. Uh, so I ended up just putting Cody Bellinger. He's the only guy that's sub twenty five at this point. Yeah, so it's like by default he was, yeah, he was the so first baseman. That's why I got creative because Bellinger. I don't know if he's gonna stay at, even as their starting first baseman if he hits two sixty only with twenty something home runs. The Dodgers gonna look for something. They're not gonna just settle on above average at first base. If if he doesn't evolve into a better all around hitter, I think they're on the move. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure what their what their plans are. I mean, it's like they they're definitely playing a. a well, they're playing to win now. They're not playing to win five years from now, right? right? So they've foregone the the Bryce Harper sweepstakes to go pick up uh, AJ Pollock. So oh, it's that's a different. That's a move, but they got rid of Kemp and Yasiel, right? So they got one and a half spaces open, right? Verdugo is supposed to take one, and then. Uh, and I guess Bellinger is taking the other one because they probably still have like Muncie and mm. those guys. Uh, but anyway, so let's go to second. The so second base got difficult because there's a lot of high end second basemen. I almost at first I put in Javi Baez, but he was like 26, and I'm like, you're too old, bro. Plus he plays on the Cubs, and and Joe Madden messes with these guys' heads too much. So I chose. Labor Torres at 22 to be 
the future at the position. Yeah, I put that too. Even though I'm guessing he's not going to stay at second, they pretty they want to put him back at short. Well, if Gregorius flames, but I well, I'd, I'd have him at second anyway. He was he was a monster for his two thirds of a season. Hopefully, they move him up in the order. But yeah, I have Gleber as well. Yeah. A lot of Yankees on this on this list. Really? Well, I have Sanchez and Torres. Oh, Homer. All right, third base. This was this was a tough one. I wanted to put Arenado here, but I kind of pushed him away. I pushed him into like this utility spot. If we ever had a utility spot, essentially, I put in Bregman. Yeah, because he's three years younger. In that park, he can probably do a lot of damage, as well as Arenado is doing damage now. But I think he still has he's still got three years to get to Arenado plus. Whatever, right? So. Yeah, what he did this year was very impressive. I mean, that, that, what he did last year was very impressive. Plus, he steals bases. That's another guy that's like, he probably could have played shortstop in the majors, but because Carlos Carrera is already here. Well, he, well, he is he is also shortstop eligible too, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, he's going to be a third. He's a third baseman right now. Oh. But he can be a shortstop. Yeah. He'll, he'll be a third baseman. Forever, unless they trade away career. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like he could be a shortstop for 30 of the 32 teams or something like that. Yeah. All right. And going so back to shortstop. I picked Lindor. Yeah, me too. 25. So he... I See, Lindor was one that was kind of fighting with because, like, I, I look, the numbers are legit. But every time I see him, it was like, is he the build-around-a-team kind of player? Fantasy-wise, but not reality. Yeah. I think he's not... So that's like I was bouncing between Lindor and Correa, but Correa is like, Correa really hasn't shown anything yet. Well, he's gotten hurt a lot too. Yeah, that's why he hasn't shown like. I mean, Lindor has outperformed Correa. Yeah. I mean, it's arguably he 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 outperformed Correa the past three or four years, but like Correa has the pedigree, right? Yeah. I mean, I ended up getting Lindor, but I wasn't comfortable with it. So outfield. Outfield was like I did outfield and it was like. Two out of the two out of the three were like names that are already established. So my first outfielder, like it was in twelve, I would have picked Trout again. Yeah, me too. Because he is he's on trajectory for a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, if anything. And at, at you look at him, and the guys, the guys built like it doesn't look like he's gonna break down. Yeah, and he's like super athletic, and he takes good care of himself, and yeah. He's still 27. Yeah. He, he has now entered the prime of his career. He can play. He can keep this level up until his early 30s. Easy. Yeah. So up next, I chose Mookie Betts yeah, at I, 26. I have Mookie Betts as well. I, I, I have a feeling, though, when, when his decline happens, it'll be rapid, though, because he's not a big dude. He's going to be like Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, when he loses power, I mean, he might still maintain his speed, but I think he but might lose his and power because McCutcheon is a small guy too, yeah. and he he could he had just strong he just had strong wrist. That's how he basically turned on stuff. But once that torque dies, because it's an all, I mean, it's a full effort swing, right? Yeah, to, to generate that power. Well, plus injuries can take place in the outfield, right? If he's going after balls in the gap and stuff, so. I mean, he's an athlete without question. But he's still athlete. 25. It's arguably he can do this till his early 30s as well. Yeah. So the third outfielder I chose, Ronald Acuna at 21. Yeah, we both all got three right, three for three. Yeah. So I got Acuna too. 
Because in terms of potential, he could be the next possible 30-30 guy. But he could put up numbers like that. I don't know if he's going to like reach Trout. like 21 years old. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to reach Trout-like numbers, but... Yeah, this is probably the riskier of all of our... I mean, this is the riskier... Well, for me, on my list, it's the riskier of the picks because he only has, like, maybe a two-thirds of a season under his belt. He could be a Mike Trout. He could pull a Justin Upton. Both scenarios, I, I think, are, like, possibilities. Yeah, yeah. So, finally, my designated hitter is Bryce Harper. I have to put him in there. He's still 26 years old, dude. Like, and his bad season last year was 249, 103 runs, 34 home runs, 100 RBIs, and 13 stolen bases. Here's where I took liberties. And again, it's like I'm going by positions, so I chose DH. And Chris Davis. Nope. Shohei Otani. <laughs> no way. So I put Shohei Otani. He's 24 years old. He paid basically half a season at DH and did... He basically almost, what, paid 20 home runs and 280 or something? The issue with him is that he'll never get enough unless he becomes DH only or pitcher only. Yeah, so, like, that's where I said I took liberties because, like, he'll be good as a DH, but he's not going to put full season numbers because they're going to keep trying trying to pitch him. I don't know what he's going to do this year because... He's recovering from Tommy John, but they're going to let him hit. And I just put him on because, like, like if I had him on the team, it would be kind of cool to have him be my DH and then add him to the pitching staff at the same time. Well, actually, ESPN, now you can... You draft can, them as one person. Yeah, not like last year where you had to either draft him as a hitter or a pitcher. Yeah, exactly. So that's always pretty interesting. He's young. He's 24 years old. And he's already pre- proven that he can pitch to major league hitting and hit to major league pitching. Yeah. So, there's talent there. It is. It is. I don't disagree, but Bryce Harper's better. All right, let's look at this pitching staff now. Oh, this is going to be different. I'm so, not... what do you do? Is like you picked up very young guys, or what do you... I try to do everything at this point. Pitching is not coming up and producing as expected, especially early on. So And a lot of the guys that are up on the top are like on the declining. I'm not saying he's the ace. He's just the first guy I put on the list. I'm not even that sold on him, but he has a cool name, and his name is Aaron Nola. Yeah, I put him on, too. I got Aaron Nola. Yeah. He's 25. I put him on the list. I, I don't know if I'm even sold on him. In terms of going into next this coming year's draft, he's probably top five? Yeah. If you watch him, bitch, it doesn't seem like amazing stuff, but like you can't argue the results. His, his numbers are good. Mm-hmm. But he also pitches in a hitter's park, and that's never a good thing. But he did good in a pitcher's park. I mean, a hitter's park. That's something to say. Yeah. Okay, up next, I picked Blake Snell, 26. So he had a phenomenal season last year. Cy Young winner. We'll see if he can keep that up or he gets traded to another team. Mm. He gets traded to another team, then even better, right, if he goes to the Yankees. Well, yeah. Speaking of a Yankee, I picked Luis Severino. Yeah. You know he's going to win. All he does is going to win, 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 no matter what. He's good stuff. He has good stuff. Yeah, but he has to harness it still. Well, he's young, too. But he might be one of those guys that might get hurt next year. This year and next year, just blow out his elbow because the weight is too heavy upon him. All right, the back half of this rotation. I picked Jack Flaherty, 23 years old. First season last year, he had eight wins. Decent ERA, 334, 1.11 whip. 
He looked good. He was on a fantasy team last year. He didn't do he didn't do me harm, so uh my next guy was Noah Syndergaard. I was thinking about him, but he's already breaking down too. And the Mets have a history of flaming their all their pitching stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, like they have, I, like I'm hoping they I'm hoping he they, he does a Jacob DeGrom turnaround cuz Jacob DeGrom was another one of those yeah. cuz that broke down early and then he came back and now he's legit. There's a track record with all these guys flaming, right? I mean, well, I mean, no Syndergaard. No Syndergaard's got the. He's got the the kind of what was your what was your boy from Washington? Strasburg. Yeah, he's got the Strasburg thing. But didn't Syndergaard have like back issues too? Like, no, it's just shoulder or something. But it's not. But he hasn't had the Tommy John yet, so has he not had it? There's something about I I didn't like about him. Last final guy I pick Walker Bueller. 24 years old. He's going to pick the mind of the vet, Kershaw. I like Walker Bueller, too. It was between him and my, my this other guy. I, I just was worried because Bueller's already... He's a one-time uh, Tommy John guy already. And the guy throws hard. <laughs> I thought he was a big dude, but he's not actually as big as, as originally thought, so... I don't know if he's going to be a flame-out kind of guy. He's another max max effort. Well, it depends pitcher. on how he is mechanically and whatever. Yeah, he's a max, but he's a max effort guy. Um, I actually put Trevor Bauer. And even though it seems like he's older, he's actually not. He's 26. So, like, they brought him up super early. If you look at the numbers, it's like it's it's progressing in the right direction. And the breakdowns that he had were kind of not pitcher-related. Cutting his finger, like playing with a stupid drone and stuff like that. And I think mm. I think another one was like a hammy, like a blue-out hammy or something like that. Oh. So physically, I think he can still, he can, he can do it. And I don't know. I like those guys with the four-pitch mix. Right. So for closers, I picked Edwin Diaz because he's and young. Okay, so yeah, Edwin Diaz was one. So he had 57 saves last year for... Was he on the Mariners still? Did they win 57 games? Well, good for them. To me, he's the best of the young bunch. And then next one I put is Roberto Osuna. So him beating up his girlfriend or whatever, notwithstanding. He, to me, when if he's on... If he's on the Astros, man, they can win 120 games every year. So if he... Saves half of them, 60 saves or whatever, stay healthy, big numbers. Besides Edwin Diaz, I got like two not full-time closers, kind of like pseudo-closers. And one of them was Josh Hader. He's my last guy. Yeah, I took Josh Hader. He's not the de facto closer, but he's kind of like the the fireman shutdown guy for the Brewers. Well, he might... Ultimately, he might move back into the starting rotation, right? Yeah. They're not sure yet. They're not sure but as of now, he's still in the bullpen. Well, and if he if he stays in the bullpen for the next seven years, he will be the closer. Right, who's your last closer? Jordan Hicks, the guy from the Cardinals. Yeah, mm. he's just started to harness his stuff now. Yeah, and but he's only twenty two years old. Mm. So, and it's it's not just it's a hard fastball. It's like a hard live fastball, and then. He's got this hammer curve that's ridiculous. Well, he's only learned to throw strikeouts recently, too, right? Yeah. Because he can't, but because the last couple of years he couldn't strike out anybody either. Well, despite yeah. The fact he had yeah, I mean, because stuff. he's 
Yeah, and only, and you know, and I give him I give him a pass because it's only his what second year pitching to pros. Well, even in the minors, he wasn't striking out guys either, though, right? Yeah, it was his first year was last year in the pro. I mean, in the minors. Well, I mean, but there's guys that just strike that can inherently strike people out. Yeah, like, that's because like a guy like Verlander, like we were saying, like he initially he didn't strike out guys, and finally when he finally learned how to. Yeah, when he actually slowed down, actually when he slowed his pitch down, he started yeah. to strike out more guys. Yeah, he emphasized movement over velocity. Yeah, so. But anyway, I have I just put Jordan Hicks because like he was the the young flamethrower, mm. the de facto hardest thrower in the league now. All right, so into the past and the future, now we shall look at who are your favorite guys all time, like in terms of. Our lifetime, or grew within, up watching. Within, within our lifetime, yeah. Yeah, I grew up watching or something yeah. like that. You can go first. My catcher uh, was Mike Piazza. I figured. He was a dogger. Yeah. He was a Met longer than a dogger, though, I think. Yeah, but he his 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 ch- opportunity came thanks to Lasorda, right? Yeah. But the best catcher is Pudge, because he was a gold glover as well. Dominant. Offensively, he had like 332. Did you know that? Yeah. One year, 35 home runs, 25 stolen bases. Same year, he did probably PEDs, but who's who's? Yeah, I didn't include any of this. I didn't include that kind of shit. Oh, good because Piazza's accused. All right, moving on. What you got? Uh, for first base, first base was interesting because like we had a lot of really good first basemen when I was young, but I actually went with Albert Pujols. I hated Albert Pujols. I never drafted him. Never got him. I mean, he's still playing now, but like, what in his heydays with the with the Cardinals and stuff, that was the guy that nobody wanted to pitch to. He was the machine. Yeah, a guy who hit thirty five home runs and batted three twenty all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I never drafted Pujols, so I never had an affinity toward him. But the guy I used to like to draft, Jeff Bagwell. I almost put Jeff Bagwell, but. Like, I just... Part of was ki- my guy. Part of the Killer Bees. He had huge seasons. He had a 40... He had a 40-30 year. I like Bagwell. He was, he was always a grinder to me. Even though he was undersized. Like, 5'10". 250 pounds or whatever. He was the guy that... Like, you don't teach your kids how to swing like him. There was, <laughs> there, there was a little stretch where I tried to swing like him. I could hit it far, but I would miss lots of times. Yeah. Alright, what's next? Second base... I put Roberto Alomar. Should be without question. Yeah. He was also a gold glover. He had magical seasons. World Series winner? Spitting on the guy's face notwithstanding. Yeah. That was kind of his one mistake. (laughs) Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Legit. Next one, uh, third base, Chipper Jones. Not bad. Not bad. I, I, I was thinking Chipper for a while. I decided, remember I told you, like, pick your favorite guy, right? Yeah. So you know who I picked as my third base on this team? What? Eric Chavez. Oh. Love that guy. He had he had a couple big seasons. He was a gold glover as well. So he was an all-around player. He was a guy that always broke down, though, right? Yeah, he just never, he couldn't stay healthy after a while, but... In 01, man, he had a 288 average, 32 home runs, 114 RBIs, gold glove season, so. 
Yeah. Chipper Jones was the guy I always loved to hate because he always because they're like every time my team played the Braves, it's like he was the guy that always like killed us. Yeah, he was he was a killer back then. I I I do like Chipper. Sometimes I used to swing like him left handed. I don't know. I never I never drafted Chipper Jones either. He was he was a guy that I never got to draft. So Chavez was always attainable. <laughs> so <laughs> I always got Chavez for some reason. <laughs> Uh, shortstop, and boy, do we have a lot of great shortstops during our time. This one was tricky, I thought. It wasn't Jeter, I'll tell you that. I did not choose Jeter either. I'm not a, a Yankee apologist. This was, this was hard because we, in our lifetime, we've seen... Like, and this is another one, like, trying to think about defense, too. Mm-hmm. I kind of put that a little bit to the side, and I actually ended up choosing A-Rod. You have every right to choose A-Rod. But I took into account gold glove playing defense, all-around position, Barry Larkin. He had a 30-30 year, 298 average. He was he was a great player. There's no discounting A-Rod at shortstop. It was a young A-Rod when he was a shortstop. He could... Yeah. He was just a bigger version of Cal Ripken to me. Because at some point I wanted to put A-Rod at third base, but I didn't like A-Rod when he became a third baseman. Yeah. So... I agree. That's why. I was thinking like the Seattle Mariners version. Yeah, I was waiting on the Mariners version. So okay, so left field. All right, it's got to be Barry. And and you have every right to choose Barry Bonds. And you know what? In my first incarnation of this thing, Barry Bonds was on my list, but I never drafted Barry Bonds. I have friends who always said Barry Bonds, right? So the person that I very much love in left field. And mind you, left field, Alfonso Soriano. Oh, when he when they moved him to left field? Yes. Do you remember in 2006, you know what his numbers were? 277, 46 home runs, 95 RBIs, and 41 stolen bases. Oh, he was glorious. I mean, he was a horrible outfielder and a horrible he was, defender. He was a horrible everything at, in the and, field. But the homeboy could hit <laughs> with his thirty-eight ounce bat or whatever he, the hell it was. He was a guy that he was a guy that he was a guy that belonged at DH. Yeah, like remember, I loved Alfonso Soriano. That's why. So I had to put him in there. That's why I was like, all I could think of was like to the history of everything was like that one time when the bases were loaded. Bonds was coming to the plate. The te- the opposing team was up by three or something, mm. so they actually intentionally walked walked, to, walked him to bring in a run, so they could pitch to Kent or somebody. Mm. So they basically conceded a run, yep. so it's, they could instead of a granny, yeah, instead of a granny. But or did you always was, did you always draft Bonds or would you ever? I try to. I always tried. I think I got him once or something like that. See, I never. There's never like been a auction. time. Like, yeah. auction leagues, like, I always put, like, a lot of... I mean, like, this was the Bonds money right here. Mm. I never had an affinity toward him. I mean, even early on in my... That's the only reason why. Okay. Shit, we all know who the center fielder is, man. You probably picked him too, right? Griff? Hell yeah, you Ken Griffey, dude. That's everybody... Our, that's all, our generation, dude. Everybody, everybody who could swing a bat, everybody tried to, tried to at least mimic Griffey's... Swing, because that swing was just—it was the prettiest baseball swing you've ever seen, right? Oh yeah, like it's just effortless, right? He he made baseball fun again, man. He put ridiculously ugly numbers that fifty six hundred forty seven, 
Gold Glove Defense 304. Yeah, I mean, Griff, the guy was amazing. It was a thing of beauty. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, and, and he was always held with highest regard. He was above the steroid era when everybody's taking steroids. Is like not Griffey. Unfortunately, I mean, well, he's hit 60 home runs without. Didn't he hit 60? I thought he hit 60. Well, he got well the fifty six close enough, but oh, the 56, I mean, yeah, yeah. part of the issue with Griffey is I think he just, took. Well, he started to break down towards the end too. No, no. Well, part of it, the reason why he broke down is because he he didn't take his craft as seriously as he should have. Yeah, like he didn't work out, he didn't train as hard as a well, guy like and, Bonds and yeah. stuff. I mean, and he was a little bit on the reckless side in the outfield. Yeah, I think well, he like broke his wrist running into the wall, kind of. But thing. you could never question his his effort. Right, it was always max effort. He he did everything the right way. Right, I mean, yeah. he, there was nothing about him that you didn't like unless he was not on your team. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So right field. Who'd you put? Ichiro. He's good. Don't get me wrong. He's... I am very very sad that we've never got to experience the prime Ichiro years. When he was in Japan, he got three thousand hits, but he started in the majors at twenty eight. No, but even at twenty eight, he was dominant. Yeah. So technically, when you say like when you when you look at the the age stuff, it that's actually on the decline. That's supposed to be the declining years, right? Mm. So he never got that twenty four to twenty seven. What he could have done? Yeah. What he could have? Yeah. Between yeah. twenty four and twenty seven, it's like maybe he could have hit four hundred. Who knows, right? He got mm. pretty darn close one year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he might not hit 20... I don't know if he would hit the 20 home runs, but a 22-year, a 24-year-old Ichiro beating out those those infield singles. Yeah, but I think part of the beauty of Ichiro coming in at that age is, like... He was polished already. Well, don't mess with him, right? Because yeah. if, say, he came to the majors at 21 or whatever, and they would have been like, you know what? You can't hit like that. Don't hit moving your feet. Don't hit like this. You changed his game, right? I mean, his yeah. game, you know, he could have, maybe they'd be like, oh, he's he's not the Asian Billy Hamilton, but I mean, like, he could have been as fast as Billy Hamilton, like, oh, just slap it on the ground. I mean, he did slap, but he had power when necessary. Like, Billy Hamilton can't be like, I'm going to hit this yard. Like, Ichiro, Ichiro was refined, like you said. He had all his mechanics, but... He chose to just. It was it was kind of fun to watch. Like when he first came, like in the first few years, him just like going against major league and just spoiling people, a guy's pitches. Oh, yeah. Like the guy would throw stuff like you don't think he'll like he'll just keep frustrate the crap out of the pitcher until he leaves a mistake and he'll just doink it over the infield or something like oh, that. Yeah. And then next thing you know, he steals a base and there's a runner in scoring position. Yeah, no, he was he was great. It was and, just. I think that the fact that he got into the majors at 28 and, like, don't touch him, let him yeah. go, is part of the and reason why he was so prolific here. Gold too. Glover with a friggin' arm. All right, so my right fielder. It's Bryce Harper. See, <laughs> well, you're wrong. Because <laughs> Bryce Harper was on the other two lists already. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to I just wanted to be consistent, man. Because this is the guy that I, I patterned my swing after <laughs> now, right-handed. Is Gary Sheffield. Oh, Gary. Yeah. And Gary, I mean... That guy was mean. In, in his prime, I mean, he was like... His 27-year-old... His 27-year... He was a triple crom guy, too. He had 42 home runs, 120 RBIs, 3, 314 batting average, 
And I think if this was the year, he had like 140 walks and 60 strikeouts. Yeah, that guy was mean. Like, he didn't strike out. I mean, yeah. he was he was a monster in his day. And his the, there's only a few times I've watched people swing as hostile as Gary Sheffield. And, yeah, he is as hostile a swing as I've ever seen in my entire life. It's amazing the way he swings and not strike out. Yeah, I mean, he swang hard, and he put the ball in play, and... Well, he crushed, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in 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 his prime years, he was unstoppable. He might have been like the shittiest teammate or something, but it doesn't follow on stats. All right, who's your GH? Edgar Martinez. Ooh, he just. Made I a- I when I was young, I I used to love watching Edgar Martinez because mm. he could like that batting eye was. Mm. He would, he. I mean, guys would like try to throw him anything, and he would just spit on it mm. until, until this like he dared. He basically dared people to throw something in the into the zone. It's like I ain't. It's like I ain't swinging at shit until you mm. throw me something into the strike zone. And then when he and when they did, most more than often he paid the price. I mean, made them pay the price for it. You think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? I think so. Okay. No, I was, I'm, I'm just wondering. I felt, um, and I think part of it uh, was, like, reading some columnists and stuff like that. The sad part was that, like, because he was such a bad, he wasn't a very good fielder, period. They brought him up as a third baseman. Mm, yeah. And that's what kept him down. Mm. I mean, the guy was, like, polished as a hitter already. But if they brought him up as a DH, he could have played when he was 24. Three more years of, like, there would have been no argument that he was, yeah. a, he was a Hall of Famer. Hall of Fame people love accumulation of numbers, right? 3,000 hits, 500 home yeah. runs, blah, blah, blah. And he was another guy that's, like, we would love, like, I love, I love to mimic his swing. Because mm. it was just very fluid, effortless-looking swing. Mm. But the ball would just jump off of it. But it didn't jump off the bat like this, dude. Oh, Frank Thomas? The big shirt. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Mill-enhancing drugs bodies, <laughs> but shit, back in the day, I wanted man. to. I wanted to put, I wanted to put um, Frank Thomas, but, like, I enjoyed watching, like you, like you said, favorites. It's like, I enjoyed Ergo Martinez more than... I think I might still have the Sports Illustrated cover with Griffey and... Frank Thomas on it. I love those, those are the MVP, like the MVP race kind of days. It was just like the future of baseball and shit. I mean, those are the two guys that I always used to look up to. I was kind of like I was gonna thinking about putting Frank Thomas, but he was actually gonna be the guy I was gonna put at first base. For as big a guy as he was, he couldn't throw really well. He ultimately DH'd himself. The only reason they they put it didn't put him DH earlier is because he kept on fighting the ideas like I need to be a yeah. I need to be in the field. Plus Harold Baines. Alright. Let's move <clears throat> to the pitching. So who's your ace? Who's your who's your guy that you put up there? Oh, Pedro. Oh, your team must be stacked. Why? If you pick Pedro. I love watching Pedro pitch. Uh, that see, guy was that guy was friggin' ridiculous. I never had Pedro. The guy I took, my most favorite pitcher in the world is John Smoltz. He's on my list too. Oh, I took him. Big game pitcher. The third Beatle, but first in my heart, man, John Smoltz. Yeah. Yeah. If there was ever, if I had a, if there was a game to win, I was like, I think Pedro would have been the guy. I would have put Smoltz. Smoltz was the guy that I put up there. Okay, who's your number two? Uh, Clemens. Never like Clemens. 
I don't know why I never had a feeling for Clemens. He, he's he's awesome. I don't discount that, but I put Justin Verlander. I kind of see there was a point I really liked Justin Verlander. What do you mean what point? You still do. I, when he started striking out people, actually, because he threw really hard. So, all right, who's next? Who's your number three? Greg Maddox was the guy that he was the guy that he was the magician because he never threw high 90s basically everything he would throw like guys would just they just couldn't find the pitch they would swing at it and it wasn't where it was supposed to be Mm. he was a surgeon i enjoyed watching him in his prime years for the season he walked single digits or something like that it was always in the strike zone but they couldn't find the ball (laughs) you know as much as i like maddox and i mean i didn't hold it against him that he was not a big game pitcher but he was a guy I never got to draft either. Never, ever, 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 ever. Because everybody liked him more, right? So, Because yeah. I always liked Smoltz. I always waited five more rounds for Smoltz. While Maddox, Maddox and yeah. Glavin were both gone. This one, I, I dug in the crates deep, this one. David Cohn. Oh, yeah. I like David Cohn. Conehead. Yep. Nice Yep. When he threw, like, his Frisbee sliders. and He threw slop because he used to make up slop, he said. Like on the like, if he didn't have like his A plus stuff, he said he would just throw garbage at guys. Yeah, it was uh he he David Cohn. If you want to like watch the evolution of a pitcher, is you watch David Cohn because he came up. He was the one of the fireballing hot five with like Doc Gooden. And oh yeah, it was Doc Gooden, David Cohn, Sid Fernandez, I think Frank Viola. I mean, it's like it was just these these <laughs> guys who were just. But when they came out, they were just smoke-throwing guys. And then yep. eventually, like, Cone's shoulder was just couldn't keep up with it. And then, oh, yeah. and then once, he went, once he was with the Yankees, then it was just, it was garbage. It was garbage nonstop. Yeah. But he would he would hit the corners with it. It was like. He still won 20 with, with the Yankees. That was surprising. Well, he's a per- he pitched a perfect game with the Yanks. Yeah. And it was, and I don't think his pitches went. I don't think any of his hardest pitch was above ninety two or something. Yeah, but yeah, David Cohn did. I, I he was him. he was between him. It was between him and John Smoltz for the number five, and then of course the last one is Randy Johnson. Not bad, not bad. Okay, so my number four was Tom Glavin because he was the beginning of the the winning era of the Braves. Right, he was the guy that took beatings. I remember, like, in 89-90 or whatever, he was just taking beatings mm. on TBS, right? He'd, he was, like, 7-17, and 17 and they thought he was just garbage trash or whatever. So my last guy, newly minted Hall of Famer, the Moose. Oh, Mike Mussina. Mike Mussina. He didn't throw super hard either. He threw pretty hard, but he didn't throw super well, hard. Well, his, his out pitch was the cur- the, that, that knuckle, knuckle curve. curve. That's when the knuckle curve became the fat pitch was was yeah. Mike Mussina. But nobody else could throw it. As nobody well else could him. throw it. But like he was the like people on like what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's like yeah. and they, they watched him throw the knuckle curve. It's like see, I got his autograph. I got Clemens' autograph too. Like, really? Yeah. He was All watching. Right. He was here. He was here to watch his son play in the winter league. Oh, the Hawaii Kobe. winter baseball. Yeah. All right. Who's your two closers? Or do two or three? I picked two. I, you can say three. Well, if that's the case, then I'll just I'll just throw Mar- Mar- Mariano Rivera out there, and I'll just like uh-huh. I'll, I'll 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 skip him, and I'll put the other two. <laughs> Jeff Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman. Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman. Is it Jeff Hoffman? 
Oh, Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman. Brain farted. Trevor Hoffman. <laughs> we, we, we both were like, Jeff Hoffman. Like, who the fuck is Jeff Hoffman? No. <laughs> Trevor, yeah. yeah Trevor, yeah, Trevor Hoffman. Okay, Trevor Hoffman, yes, uh, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is... Uh, <laughs> auto, auto thing. Yeah. Mm. That didn't even sound right when it came out. Yeah, of yeah that's why we're like, who's Jeff? Is like, is yeah, that you can brother? edit that shit. <laughs> it's kind of funny because it yeah. just went silent. Like, yeah, I know. I was like, like, Jeff? Jeff Hoffman. Like, and Trevor even you're Hoffman. like, who's Jeff Hoffman too? Right? You're like... The fucking autos. I was like filling yeah. it out. But yeah, Trevor Hoffman. Hmm. It was weird because like Trevor Hoffman, he's he never he's another guy that never really had a hard stuff. It was always that change up. Nah, before he used to throw pretty hard, then at the the back end of his career, he had to go. He was change up. Yeah, he was the um. There used to be a there used to be a closer I used to watch. He was he was a closer for the Houston Astros. And was it Doug Jones? Yeah, it was Doug Jones. Slow, slower, slowest. Yeah, mm. it was the palm ball. Mm. And it was just one of those guys. It's like, that's what Trevor Hoffman turned into. Yeah. He's like, how slow can I make this this ball go? Yeah. And you guys still try to chase it? Yeah. So I see, like, change-ups as in, like, the low 70s, like, 60s or something. Yeah, he's throwing And the guys just, and they just bite. The thing's just, it's rolling to the catcher. And, the, mm. and they're still biting. <laughs> They swung and still getting there. Yeah, it's like he swung and then the he swung the guy swung and then the catcher's waiting for the ball. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my first closer took Billy Weggs. Yeah, he's my second. So it's like I I actually kind of had fun with the two the two differentiating because mm-hmm. like Hoffman was the guy who threw the slowest pitch mm-hmm. and then Billy Wagner it was like the 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 guy who. Through the hardest, yeah. and it was actually kind of weird because Hoffman is like the big guy yeah. who threw the slow ball. Billy Wagner is like the small guy that threw the freaking smoke. Yep, yep. And you know who my final closer is? Yep, K Rod. Oh. I used to love drafting K Rod. I don't know why he he was dominant initially, and then and see we we've, we 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 have so much recency bias where. All we can think of K Rod now is kind of like a soft tosser. Huh? Well, remember he came up. Remember he was the guy that they. He was the the fireman that they brought up. Yeah. Like, because their closer, their de facto closer was hurt. I forgot who it was. Wasn't it with the Angels? Was it? It wasn't Houston Street at that point, right? No, it wasn't Houston Street. It was somebody else. It's like they. They basically that guy flamed out like halfway through the season. Not per, is it Percival? Yeah, it was Troy Percival. Yeah. yeah, he flamed out, and there was no close. There was no de facto closer, and then they brought this like, well, there's this young guy in double minor, or something. Yeah, it's like like uh, yeah, like it's not. It wasn't even K Rod, right? It was it was just well, yeah. this guy, and then like he that was the World Series run for uh, the Angels. Yep. With his like, dominant pen right at that point. Yeah, it was just basically all you saw was like a ninety mile an hour slider, just yeah. smoking people. And he's like, of course, with his he has a violent he was a violent action pitcher, right? Yeah, he was all arms and legs. Yeah, it was it was just a, like a little yeah. spider throwing from the mound. Yep. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. Kudos to Jeff Hoffman for making the list. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Hoffman goes, you won! Like, dang it, congrats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't, David Cohn, prior to, like, me doing this list, I haven't thought about that dude in years, right? He was, was he your favorite guy to watch pitch? Like, there was guys that I used to, like, I, like, 
bottom, like, just guys you used to watch, maybe not even all-time kind of thing, or just, like, guys who had, like, amazing seasons, and you just watch them throw stuff. Cole I used to like because he just used to throw at all angles. That that was the most impressive that I've seen. Yeah, he was sidearm. Like, over he would come half. over top, under, three quarters, whatever. He would throw whatever necessary. That always impressed me. Um, Cole was a fun guy to watch pitch. Yeah. And then it's like, and the lapid, I mean, like, for a guy who changes arm angle, usually guys who do that, they have a hard time finding the strike zone. Yeah, he would just bomb the zone. I mean, he, he dominated in, in his time when he, he was, like, he had a couple off years here and there. There was a, I have this, I have this weird fascination for knuckleball pitchers. Mm. And then one of my favorites used to watch was, like, Tom Candiotti. Mm. Remember him? Yeah. Because he, he was a guy, he was another guy that was, like, he reinvented himself as a knuckleball pitcher. Oh, yeah, well, late in his career, yeah. Yeah, because he couldn't, like, at, eventually he couldn't throw a fastball above 90. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I got a knuckleball, let's throw this shit. Yeah. <laughs> so he used to throw these knuckleballs, but he used to have, like, this big Tommy Lasorda fucking balloon curve. Mm. <laughs> so it would just make, it would be the weirdest thing to watch guys, guys who... Like, he had a couple really, really good seasons. Like, mm. really, really, really good seasons with, the, like, low twos ERA kind of yeah. season. But it wasn't like... It wasn't like watching, like, Tim Wakefield or, um, like, Ari Dickey. Who on, they only throw, like, 99% knuckleballs mm. and a fastball. It's like he would mix knuckleballs with curveballs and things like that. Mm. And guys would just, like, like halfway through the... Like, when the pitch was coming, they just gave up already. Mm. They just, you just see them just like, you see their hands just drop as they want. They couldn't figure out what the fuck was coming mm. <laughs> because it's like, it's came at, it came between 50 and 80 and it's like, he's either starting from up in the sky or it's starting like, you know, mm. like with the curveball and stuff like that. It was just weird to watch. I mean, of course, like if the guy guessed right, it'll, you know, tee off on him, but. Oh yeah. What a knuckleball. You can even guess right and you'll still miss it. So. Yeah. But, like, if you guess that curveball's coming, then it's like, oh, this fucker's mine. Yeah, I just loop in. <laughs> <laughs> Softball pitch. Yeah. yeah. No, it was just interesting where, like, I didn't pick Pedro. I never... I respected how good he was, but I never drafted Pedro or Clemens or Randy Johnson. <laughs> it was just... Pedro was... Pedro was... Pedro was funny because he was the smallest guy in the field, but he acted like the biggest guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like he'll because he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't afraid to smoke somebody. Oh yeah, he wasn't afraid to smoke somebody when he when he felt like the guy was just crowding him or something like that. But he was just effectively wild when when he 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 was wild when he wanted to be. So yeah, it was always like he, and he would and he, he he reminded me of. Like, you ever watch the old Looney Tunes with, like, there's a little, the little yap yap chihuahua dog with mm. the big bulldog behind oh, it? Oh, yeah. <coughs> he would be the yip yip dog talking smack with their, with his David Ortiz and like, oh, big yeah. guys standing yeah. behind him. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So he would smoke a guy and the guy was coming up and he was like, <laughs> Pedro would throw his glove down and he was like, come on! Hmm. <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah. And then there's kind of the big guys, the the big players have to come in and kind of push him up. Oh, Varitek Var- would tackle the dude from behind. Yeah, because so because, that was like smart. Well, because he knew. <laughs> this is no, but you gotta was, you gotta get a catcher that did that. Because <laughs> I remember a couple times, yeah, Varitek just tackled the dude like. Oh yeah, because the guy would have crushed him. <laughs> no, but did, I don't know who was it? Justin Upton or was it Delman Young? Do you remember that when, like, it was a minor league game, and the first thing that the hitter did was just kick the catcher in the chest? Oh, oh! I think it was Delman Young. That was Delman Young, I think. No, 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 no. Wait, wasn't it Jesus Montero? No. Oh no, he fought his own teammate. Never mind. No. <laughs> he bit somebody's. He oh, bit yeah. his teammate's ear off or something. No, but I think it was, it was Delman Young when he got smoked, and he first thing he did was like fucking kick the catcher in the chest and then ran at the pitcher. Yeah, where's his career? <laughs> Dude, he he was supposed to be a number one. He was a number one, right? Yeah. A oh, it was one. like yeah. I mean, Delman Young was the older brother, and then wasn't it Delman and something Young? Jeff. Shout out to Jeff Young. Jeff Hoffman, Jeff Young. Shout out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> podcast. All right. Let's wrap this shit up. So, um, we'll figure out when's our next podcast. Well, this is this is good prep. Get my mind back into fantasy baseball after months and months of football. So, oh, yeah. oh, uh, who's going to win? Patriots. Ugh. I'm dooming them. Patriots. All right. Patriots in a blowout. I'm dooming them. I'm dooming them. Alright, on that note, for Bonana, this is Neil. Bye. Bye, Jeff. All you Jeffs out there, bye.